Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. The Atlantic was born today, and I'll tell you how. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Giron. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Yes, we do. Yeah. Is this Death Cab? Yeah, it is. It's uh okay. it's uh the the song Transatlanticism from their seminal album, Transatlanticism. Does um, it bring you back to college? I was gonna say like high school college, but yes, yes, it does. Um I, I have to I guess people are already like, what, what does that have to do with the secret in him? Um for anyone who remembers Translanicism, you'll know that the cover art famously is a blackbird covered in red string. Huh. Oh. So for for whatever reason the association was forged in my brain, and that's what I decided to open today's episode with, because this movie also has a blackbird covered in red string at some point. For like the longest scene in the history of cinema. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Uh, so that's the fun. entire movie. <laughs> so we're here today. Uh, sans guest for now. There is a possibility that someone might randomly appear at some point in this episode. And if that happens, we will act like they've been here the whole time. Um, we are here today to talk about the secret of Nim. Um, this is the 1982 animated classic uh, by director Don Bluth, who is a favorite of mine and probably forged my childhood more than Disney did. And I'm sure you're a we, sicko. We, well, so this is the thing. You can tell the Bluth kids from the Disney kids pretty fucking quick, <laughs> especially yep. once you get a few drinks in them. Um, so we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> we will talk about that. Um, before we do all the usual stuff, uh, I was going to ask our guests to plug themselves, but they are not here. Um, so, yeah. Plug uh, it. <laughs> so, yes, um, all the usual stuff up front. You can find us on Twitter, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us, podcast, filmstage.com. Go give us a rating and a comment on whatever podcast app you like. And you can become patrons of this podcast by going to Patreon dot com slash the film stage show for as little as one dollar an episode you get access to our super secret slack channel and first crack at all of our movie related raffles and you get the uh, satisfaction that comes from helping us to do this thing that we love and hopefully you love listening to us too um yeah and we're also brought to you of course by mubi the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe every day mubi brings a brand new film Oh, it's a Thomas classic, cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to either be a movie that you've been dying to see, or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. We talked last week about the uh, deceptively named Happy Hour. <laughs> That's right, Robin, you weren't here for this. First of all, Robin's back. Everyone say hi to Robin. Hey. Sorry, y'all. I fucked up my schedule. And what was the... You saw The Offspring? Is that right? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I... It, it was an accident. I was just like, oh, yeah, we're recording the podcast on Sunday. It was one half of my brain. And the other half of my brain is like, go to see the offspring on Sunday. 
and the twain did not meet. Good times. Um, so yes, uh, so that was that's awesome. I loved the offspring. Uh, did they play a lot from Smash? They did, I, which I was super happy about. I would have liked to have heard a little bit more session, but I don't think that it was like they know what they're here for. They're no, they're here to do the crowd pleasers, and they leaned into it. And did they do like any fun. of like their? I, I was about to say new stuff, but I think at this point it's like fourteen to fifteen years old, like Hammerhead or any of that. Like they just released a new album, so they did like a couple of songs from that, and then whatever singles from like the last 15 20 years i'm glad that they and, did that and, yeah because like i went and saw fucking what's his face you know who i'm talking about all along the watchtower <laughs> um <laughs> not Jimi hendrix <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> why am i having trouble thinking Dewey of cox <laughs> bill what's his what's the name of the guy What's that guy's name? I am so embarrassed right what? now. Why can't I remember his name? I keep wanting to say Dave Barry, but that's definitely not it. It's what? The, the the guy, you know, who he plays in... Uh... <laughs> wow, I am fucking dead today. This is going to be a terrible episode. Everyone turn the podcast off. Um, in, in Bob uh, Dylan. Bob Dylan. I was about to say, he's <laughs> in Lewin Davis. <laughs> Why am I not remembering his name? Yeah, Bob Dylan. I went and saw Bob Dylan in college. And we were like expecting, you know, a couple of the classics, and he did not play them until the second encore, which I'm honestly surprised we were still there for. You know, it was like all new stuff, and we were just like everyone in the you could feel the audience turning against him, and I think you could also feel his decrepit body gaining power (laughs) from every ounce of hate that was thrown at him. Um, I anyway, I got to go for free. I just had to drive a bunch of friends to Virginia. And uh, during the course of that night, they uh, got me drunk and gave me a lot of cigarettes. So I was fine with it. This is great. This is a perfect way to start off an episode about a children's movie. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) The goddamn film stage show. Um, (laughs) So anyway. I had a blast. It was a great concert. Sweet. So you didn't hear us uh, do a movie plug for Happy Hour last week where we talked mainly about how long it is. But yeah, that's what we did. Uh, You have not listened to the episode that you were not on, which I respect. (laughs) I'm going to. I'm just behind in my other podcasts. Give me a minute. So I would also like to bring up that uh, on movie, they've got Oslo, August 31st um, uh, from the person who did uh, the the movie that we talked about. The worst person in the world. uh, Joachim Trier. Uh, A reworking of the French New Wave classic, The Fire Within. Uh, this can's hit about a young man's fade out is a triumph of sensitive insight and observation, a smart, sharp portrait that manages to find within its heavy subject matter these relatory moments of warmth. And I believe that because uh, we all had not really say enough good things primarily about uh, the worst person in the world. And I have to imagine that that is a uh, constancy throughout all of these pictures. So if you would like to check out Oslo, August 31st, as well as the four hour long <laughs> happy hour um go to movie it's mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial again that is mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial all right so yeah Uh, bill anything cool happen with you you see any concerts of uh 20 year old popular music acts no i just took my car to a racetrack that's it okay did you race it or did you just take it there uh no, we drove around. So, but like yeah. at a reasonable speed. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> Okay, see so that's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, definitely a track day. Uh, it was a lot of fun from 8 a.m. till about 4.30 p.m. Every, like, hour or so, it was like 20 minutes of hot laps. So What? Wait, with your I, personal car? <laughs> yeah. In this economy? Personal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, only costs like, it only costs like 250 and okay. that came with an instructor, too. Oh. Two fifty to fuck up your own car, right? To, to oh no, waste no, your no, gas and ruin your tires and <laughs> yeah. Again, basically. I ask in this economy. I'm also yeah. committing right now that every episode that we record from here until I eventually take my own life, I will be making a in this economy joke <laughs> because I'm pretty <laughs> horror, sure. Man. What was that? <laughs> you are crazy. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure, Robin, you wouldn't know this because you didn't listen to the episode yet. I'm pretty sure that I made an in this economy joke during our last episode. I think I think you made reference to it. Oh, well, I'll have to go back and listen to it. But anyway, it's happening and I can't wait to annoy the shit out of everyone. So that's that. Um, today, as I said, it's a classic review. Uh, this year is the 35th anniversary. No, <laughs> the 40, the 40th. No. Yeah, it's the four. Oh, my God. It's the 40th anniversary. This year is the 40th anniversary of The Secret of Nim, And we are here to talk about it. Uh, this movie was voted on uh, in our third place, third, third fucking place in our poll. And yet it's still the one we chose to go with. Um, it would have been interesting to do this when we were initially going to do it because it would have come out on Mother's Day and that, or like, you know, at least at, come out, uh, shortly after Mother's Day. And I feel like that would have been good synergy because this is a movie about a mother's love. Um, but we had to wait and now it's uh, just coming out for no apparent good reason at all, but we're excited to talk about it, or at least I am. And as far as this podcast is concerned, mine is the only production opinion that matters. And so here <laughs> we are. <laughs> I'm glad you like that, Robin. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Let's uh, kick on the trailer. Oh, that's a line that scared me. <laughs> Don Bluth Productions present a classic adventure in motion picture entertainment. I must tell you about Nim. Look there. It's a fantasy with wizards and villains. And heroes. I ain't scared of nothing. I'm not even afraid of the great owl. Will you hush up? Come on. It's an odyssey to another world. A world of fantasy and enchantment. To what you see in here. I wish they still made movie trailers like this. Where it's just like clips and like there's a narrator who's like telling you what you're going to get. But I also feel like a lot of movies nowadays, the narrator would just sound bored as fuck. <laughs> like, I mean, now you have trailers for trailers, which I just hate. Oh, yeah. Like the uh, the Avatar one. Ugh. But I'd love a trailer that was just like, oh, this is uh, another fucking movie with Spider-Man in it. It's New York again. <laughs> He's going to stop a guy. There's kind of jokes. There's swinging scenes <laughs> anyway dun, dun, so, dun. yeah so here we are to talk about the direct the feature directorial film debut of don bluth and that is the secret of nim 
which is uh, available for free on a couple of platforms like Pluto TV. I uh, spent the money to rent it on uh, the old Amazon. I'm actually probably going to buy the Blu-ray because I would like to show this to my daughter and I would prefer to actually own it. So that's exciting. So let's talk about it. I would love to know up front uh, for everyone. And again, this is a classic review, so there's not going to be a spoiler section. So deal with it. Um, I'd like to know from everyone if you'd seen this movie before and also kind of what your feelings towards uh, Don Bluth and his animation is as well. Uh, were you a Bluth kid growing up or were you uh, firmly in Disney camp? So let's start with Robin Barr because she wasn't here last week. Robin Barr, what are your thoughts on Don Bluth? What's your history with the secret in him? And what'd you think of it on this watch? Okay. So I have actually never seen this movie. What? Um, yeah. I'm not sure how I missed it exactly. Uh, I will say that I have read the book. I read the book as a child. I'm not this is sure. Frisbee and the secret of, and the rats of Nim. Yes. Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of Nim, um, which I thought was excellent. I remember it was one of those books that I had to tear through, uh, you know, 2 a.m. and I have my hand on the nightlight and I'm listening oh, to like my mother's footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of books like this. I mean, this must have been fourth or fifth grade. Um, and I remember just finding the whole story just unputdownable. You know, I, I love a good mystery, etc. Yeah. Um, or a fantasy mystery, I should say. Not like an Agatha Christie mystery because I don't care who murdered whatever. Um, but I just I so I love this book. Um, which I think made me put my guard up a little with the movie. Uh, in terms of my Bluth experience, I would not call myself a Bluth person, although I have great respect for his work. I mean, I understand what you were saying when, you know, it was like the Bluth kids versus the Disney kids. You know, you want to assume that all the Bluth kids grew up to be like goth punks or something. Um, right, Disney you strike me as just fucking weirdos. might have been a Bluth kid. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I just I, yeah. enough light in your heart that I was like, oh no, she's probably a Disney kid. Um, I was definitely a Disney kid, I have to say. I think it's because well, first of all, I shouldn't say, you know, there's not really one or the other. Um I No, there is an- there are camps, the war is coming. Fine. <laughs> Fine. But if you know, if I had to say there's any movie of Bluths that I still feel very attached to, it would be like the American Tale franchise especially the second one actually so Bluth didn't do the second one but I yeah <laughs> so i mean as a jewish mouse who grew up on long island how could i not love a story of a jewish mouse who basically emigrates from russia and has the same exact experience yeah. with my grandparents every, like- every child remembers <laughs> the the lighthearted movie about a little jewish mouse who escapes the pogroms right and flees to the new world and this was a very important movie for me because it it tells the story of my family. I mean, my family didn't come to the U.S. because of the Holocaust. It came 40 years earlier because of the pogroms, you know, in, in what is now Ukraine and, and Moldova. So I love those movies because they they tell my family's story. Um, in terms of like All Dogs Go to Heaven, Rockadoodle, Pebble and the Penguin, like I thought, those movies were scary. Oh, Rockabilly! I, I still like haven't rewatched uh, Rockadoodle because, like, I don't know spoilers for Rockadoodle. I still remember that, like that, and I might be wrong about what the mechanics of this are, but when the owl uses his voice to choke a kitten to death, <laughs> I think that that's movie what is I, dark. I think that's what happens at the end. I, I just remember. 
Because, like, I, you know, to, to kind of jump in with you, I grew up on uh, An American Tale and Land Before Time and An American Tale, Five Goes West. And, um, and yeah, I feel like my parents were like, oh, yeah, Don Bluth, he's, he's into it. Let's, let's, this is the same guy who created uh, Land Before Time and An American Tale. Cool, let's do this. And then it was just like rock-a-doodle. And it's like, what is happening? The human boy yeah, is Yeah, the now. timeless story of a rooster who becomes Elvis. Yeah, and like his farm is flooding because he can't call back the sun because he's been seduced by the allure of Hollywood. <laughs> and then this like kitten gets <sighs> straight fucking murdered by an owl. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Anywho, it's, it's, I mean, and don't even get me started on all dogs go to heaven because like oh what my the God. fuck is that? That movie is also dark as shit. Yeah. Yeah. So 100%. you give me the Bambies. I don't you, care if Bambi's mother gets shot. Like it's Bambi's give me Lion King off screen. You get to watch Charlie the dog drown to death in real time <laughs> twice. I think you see it's, Mufasa die. You see him fall into the things and then you see his corpse, which is kind of dark. Yeah, I guess that's pretty dark. I don't know. It's just something about it as a child. <laughs> Bill's like, like, ah, fuck it, corpses. <laughs> I was a kid. Um, I poked a corpse with a stick. I felt nothing. <laughs> so I so I don't know. I mean, maybe as a kid, there were some things that I could handle and some things where I was just like, this is freaking me out too much. Like, I know that uh, Bluth, as far as I'm aware, he didn't do Fern Gully, but that's like another one of those animated movies from that era that I just thought was too scary for me. He at the did time. not do uh Fern Gully, but that is definitely like people assume he did because it's kind of got that same, like there's a floppy yes. haired boy and like everyone's like maybe too real looking and a little too sexualized. And there's like a lot of moralism and there's like a fucking sludge monster. That's the devil. that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So like, evil appears to be all encompassing somehow. I, what's the other one? I always, th- I kind of, when I was a kid, I thought he did We're Back, A Dinosaur Tale. And oh, now God, I realize forgotten. it's uh, a fucking terrible movie. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I saw it in theaters. That I think there's a part of me that assumed that any, any movie that was made and appeared to have felt like compromised or shortchanged, I just assumed was Bluth. Mm. Because I feel like his entire career is people being like, no, nah, no, nah, trust me, buddy. I'll, I'll be on your side. Hey, fuck you. Can you cut 40 minutes from this already 60 <laughs> minute long film and make it funnier? <laughs> Mm. he's when i think of like artists who just got royally screwed over for the entirety yeah. of their career i kind of think of don bluth which is sad because i i you know to tip my hand i love him and i think he's kind of a like an animation genius and i love like his 100 percent, yeah but it is one of those things where it's like i think he most got to nail this movie an american tale and then like anastasia mm. And then I don't know about Titan AE. I have not watched that in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is a, this is a, an artist that I'm willing to revisit as an adult. Maybe I'll have a completely different opinion. So again, I came into secret of Nim not knowing too much, except that I have like a nostalgia boner for this story or like the foundational story. And I didn't love it. And I'm happy to talk a little bit more about it. Cause I want to give Bill, you know, some time to talk too, but as far as the animation goes, it's gorgeous. Like um, the the painting is beautiful. The use of light, like, is stunning and so interesting. But some of the choices that are made to fantasticize the story just didn't work for me. Like, I, I, 
the book is so so much more grounded in like quote unquote reality for as real as like talking rats can be <laughs> right yeah that i just didn't care about an amulet i didn't care about like dumble rat like it just that kind of fell flat for me but we can talk more dumble rat that seems mean you should call dumbledore dumble demas or something because like, <laughs> nicodemus came ratador <laughs> All right, Bill Graham, uh, your history with, uh, or your feelings on Bluth, your history with Nim, and what you thought about it this time. Uh, I saw Nim maybe about 10 years ago, maybe about eight years ago, because I recognized that it was one that I just hadn't gotten around to seeing. Um, And I remember it was, it left a very just kind of meh impression on me. I was just like, oh, okay, well as a movie um i don't necessarily feel all that different um today but i do have more of an appreciation of what it's doing and and some of that stuff um you know but uh in terms of uh my history with blues um fuck yeah the land before time like jesus uh and uh, you know i really loved american tale as well um all dogs go to heaven that is maybe the beginning of my origin stories with my hate for sweaty movies that's a very sweaty <laughs> movie and yeah, so it takes place in new orleans in like the 30s and the dogs are like gin swilling gamblers covered in yeah. cigar smoke yeah, you can just you can just feel the sweat through the screen. And so like me as probably like a six year old, I was just watching that and it was just like I don't you know, prepubescent Bill doesn't know what it means to be sweaty, but it I knew it. I was just like, Oh, ugh. I feel like I need to take a shower after this. So um, not not a big fan of all dogs to go to heaven although you know i mean sure that movie made me cry i you know i have a soft spot for it because i saw it when i was young but you know uh a lot of movies fuck you up when you're little and uh you don't have to appreciate them afterwards so you know um yeah like leon the professional Oh, okay. Sure. Um, uh, rock a doodle. Uh, I think I saw that maybe like 10 years ago as well. Um, cause I was just mm. like, what the fuck is this movie? And then I saw it and I was like, yeah, still, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Movie? Um, I think I felt that way at age four. Yeah. Uh, I miss Titan AE. Uh, I've also heard like, uh, the, was it treasure planet treasure island Tre- no, no, treasure, yeah. treasure planet was a disney movie wasn't it, it was, yeah um, I've, I've heard that one's decent so but that's that's um, not him that's that's like i know i know oh, okay. but tight titan ae is like i think they came out probably around the same time so um, another, another i definitely like, confused them i would say that there is a don bluth curse that actually takes many 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 forms uh one of them is his like great voice actors dying um and then Another one is that he constantly released his movies against like massive, massive Disney hits. Yeah. Um, wasn't, was it this one or All Dogs Go to Heaven that I was just reading that? Yeah. All Dogs Go to Heaven, I think, went head to head against The Little Mermaid. Like, yeah, you motherfuckers was, uh, are crazy. <laughs> well, but I mean, it also mentions here it was become one of the best selling VHSs ever. Well, so that was so, like, that was his that was his thing is that like somehow like the they wouldn't work in theaters, but then people would buy the shit out of them on VHS. 
And so yeah, I mean, the, the Land Before Time, I remember distinctly the first two of those. And then those motherfuckers ended up making so like, like 15 of those. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's just incredible. Like, not incredible. Like, oh, that's so cool. Incredible is in literally cannot be believed. Yeah. Literally incredibilis. Um, just take, like, take oh, a listen. still fucking happening. Take a listen to the executive producers on uh, The Land Before Time. We got Mr. Steven Spielberg. We got George Lucas. We got Kathleen Kennedy. Ever heard of her? We got Frank Marshall. Like, what the fuck, man? Well, so, yeah. Jesus. He, so Don Bluth left Disney because he hated it. It was during Disney's, like, dark period. And he, he starts making it. But they're like great, great mouse detective period. Black I think it was like before period. that. I think he like was an animator on um, like Fox and the Hound and like Pete's Dragon. Mm. Um, and he hated it. Yeah, he was. So he yeah. was an animation assistant on Sword in the Stone and Sleeping Beauty. And he was probably like, this is great. Um, but then you get into Wait, like, Sleeping Beauty. Was he 12? Uh, it was 59. I don't know. He's he's like 80 something oh. now. So but then. He he do, he, he helps really he does character animation on Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, and Tigger Two, Escape to Witch Mountain, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, um, Rescuers. Then it's like Pete's Dragon. He's like, uh oh. Then he makes Banjo the Woodpile Cat, but that was like his own independent thing. And then like Fox and the Hound. And then the next thing is he's doing the Secret of the Nymph because I think he and a lot of other people um, during that time period of like the seventies into the eighties, I think, were like disillusioned with what. Uh, Disney had become. I think that's also a similar kind of origin story for Brad Bird. Um, there were a lot of these people who like came to Disney because they were like the animation kingpins. And then like they realized that at this point, Disney was basically shortchanging everything and trying to go for like quick, dirty money. And so they left. And so, yeah, so he makes Secret in him. And then I think uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are like, hey, man, like this, you know, we got to do a dinosaur movie. But, like, working with them, they apparently cut, I think, like, ten full minutes of, like, already animated scenes out of Land Before Time. Um, and so he was not happy with them. And then they helped out on American Tale. And then they said, hey, you know, you want to make a sequel? And Blues is like, no, I don't think that's a great idea. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to make our own animation studio. And I think it was under the Amblin banner. Mm-hmm. And then they made, like, three movies and then they shut down. <laughs> It was, for some reason, incredibly hard to keep an animation studio going at this time. And I think it's because Disney sucked up a lot of the oxygen. I mean, now look at Disney today. I know. It's not like, you know, they've decided that instead of sucking up all the oxygen, they'll just suck up all the other studios. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They'll take Marvel. They'll take Fox. I'm I'm sure they've done something else, too. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Lucasfilm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. Anyway, Bill, I'm sorry that I jumped in for more context, but yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think, I think that's good. Um, I right. think that's, that's fine. Yeah. I, this is, I'm, uh, this is a lucky position for me because I feel like I can jump in this time and it's not just like crazy stories about me and my friends getting wasted. Like I actually kind of know what I'm talking about here because I do find Don Bluth to be such a fascinating character. So like at least now, every time I interrupt someone, it will be for something like, you know luther related like yeah germane <laughs> cool uh, i limit my hamiltons <laughs> i appreciate that but yeah uh okay cool 
Yeah, if you're if you have nothing else to say at the moment, um, I I will say yeah. I obviously I'm a Bluth kid. Um, I but my parents knew as a child that I loved dinosaurs, right? So like Land Before Time was at that point, you know, as a child of '87, you know, I was that was like pretty much when Land Before Time came out. I think it came out in like '88 or '86. Um, and so that was like constant rotation. Yeah, '88. Yeah, and so that was just like, okay, well, that's it. Like, let's just keep playing that over and over again. And I had a babysitter who also had a son who was slightly older than me and so had all these other Don Bluth movies. And I know that, like, at my house, uh, my sister loved Little Mermaid. And, like, we had a couple other of the Disney movies that, like, they would re-release and then put on VHS. But, like... The Vault. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we had, I think, Jungle Book, and we had 101 Dalmatians, and those oh, got Oh, Jungle Book. My God. What a, what a movie. Yeah. I know. Remember, remember when we reviewed the John Favre, like, live-action remake of Jungle Book? Fuck that movie. <laughs> I like that movie. I, I it remember was, It was largely okay. That. It was largely okay. Really, I, I say fuck that movie. I say fuck that movie because then it gave us, it Lion, us Lion King. King. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's the problem, is that you then look back and you're like, oh, yeah. we should have stopped this. <laughs> I, it's like, I would dug the Jungle, jungle King. Oh, shit. The Jungle Book. <laughs> You're thinking of Tarzan, King of the Jungle, which we will be reviewing. No. <laughs> nope. The Northman returns. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we got to have your teacher back on for that. My teacher. Yeah. What's her name? Evelyn. Evelyn. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Because I'm I'm kind of surprised that I remember that because I do in fact just constantly call her Robin's teacher. Um, which is fine. I'm sure she's, she'd be okay with it. Um, but yeah, I, um, so I really liked, I really liked the secret of Nim growing up. I really loved an American tale. Really loved an American tale too. Even though again, that's not a Bluth movie, but land before time. Like I can probably like, I, in fact I did like when my daughter was watching that movie, I was like anticipating every beat and every line. Cause I knew it so well, all dogs go to heaven. I think I like, What's that uh, hysterical blindness when something is so traumatic that you can't remember it or see it? I blocked it out of my head. Um, in anticipation of this podcast that we're doing right now, I actually listened to almost every episode of another podcast um, that I found called The Bluth, The Whole Bluth, and Nothing But The Bluth. And oh, wow. It's, um, it was a rundown of his filmography, and then they also had – not Don Bluth, but non Bluth episodes where they talked about movies like Fern Gully and <laughs> um, a, uh, the, the We're Back, a Dinosaur Story or whatever the hell it's called. Um, just as like, you know, kind of side things in the way that they kind of like worked into Don Bluth in some way. Um, for instance, you know, We're Back was created by, you know, Amblimation. Um, after they had split from Don Bluth. And it was the, I believe that was the movie that destroyed them. So <laughs> that sucks for them. Um, but yeah, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I uh, was listening to the, their podcast episode on that. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember literally all of this. But like, I had like forgotten it. Like the, at one point, the the female uh, co-host, I think her name is Sarah, um, is talking about like when the Whippet Angel says you can never come back charlie and i was just like i like was driving and like almost threw myself off the road (laughs) i was like oh god i remember that 
And I remember like the little girl being in love with the dog and like when he's about to die and she's like, you know, are we going to see each other again? And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I also remembered the terrible pizza song. But um, yeah, so that was clearly a big part of my life. Uh, everyone heard me respond to Robin bringing up Rockadoodle. Um, <laughs> I know I have seen Thumbelina. Uh, I don't believe I have that many uh, feelings on Thumbelina. I know that I do not like the bird in that movie. <laughs> I do know that every once in a while, Mary the Mole gets stuck in my head for some fucking reason. Like the name Mary the Mole? No, the, the, it's, there, is a, there is a song in that movie. I believe it's sung by Cloris Leachman. Um, it's like a, it's a mouse. Uh, let me see if I can confirm that real quick. Uh, no, it's Carol Channing. I'm sorry. Um, so Carol Channing. Naturally, I can see why you confuse. <laughs> so Carol Carol Channing. Yeah, sings. Chorus Leachman, the famed <laughs> singer and cabaret artist. Okay, well, can't, I will. To be fair to me, the, Which the I'll never song be. is terrible. It's not a great song. The reason I think about it is because I, even as a child, well, how old was I when this movie came out? This movie came out in Six. 1994. Yeah, so I was like. I don't know, seven-ish, eight-ish years old when I saw it. But there's a part where Thumbelina, who is a, a, a maiden the size of your thumb, and she has met a fairy prince, and she's in love with him after meeting him once because it's a fairy tale. Um, but then she gets lost, and like every other dude in this like swamp wants to marry her. And there's a mole, and he's blind, and he's old, and he sucks, and he's not a great person. <laughs> Um, but he strikes up a deal with Mrs. Fieldmouse and he's like, if you convince Thumbelina to marry me, I don't even remember what the other half of that bargain is. I assume it's like a lot of money or something. And so Mrs. Fieldmouse, the voice of Carol Channing, uh, has a whole song that's like, you know, like the chorus is basically like, like darling, marry the mole. And it's, it's a <laughs> song about marry the mole, marry the mole, marry not like a mole named no, Mary. No, it's not a mole named Mary. I, I, I thought that's what to, it was. You yeah. ought to become in, betrothed to the mole. Marry the mole. And it's like, the whole point of the song is like, yeah, he can't see shit. He lives in darkness, whatever. But love is a myth and you should marry this guy because he is stable and What's he wants you. What's wrong with you. marrying a blind person? And that's he has a lot of a problem. It's not, but she's like, uh, first of all, don't try to turn this into an ableism thing. Isn't a, she a child? Thumbelina? Isn't she like literally a child? I think that she's literally at that point like six days old, but she comes out of the flower that she's born in a full grown woman. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what you so want from me. So she is born like Athena from Zeus's head. Yeah, okay. you know, it's one of those stories where like a, a old woman with like a dead husband just wants a kid bad enough that the gods give her one, but the gods yeah, are my also parents. fucked up, so they're like, here, she's a long two inches poor tall. child. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Thumbelina. Yes. But you didn't marry the mole. Well. <laughs> Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I have recollections of that movie. I don't like the bird song. I actually, even as a child, I think, would like dipped out before a troll in Central Park or the pebble and the penguin. My only <laughs> recollection of those You're like, movies, eh, not for me, bros. Pretty much. My only recollection of those movies is seeing them as trailers on different movies and yeah. saying like, no. 
That's no. You probably saw them as trailers in another video. Oh, like, yeah, actually. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> I, when I say trailers on other videos, I mean like or other movies, like sitting in my house on the carpet mm-hmm. yes. you know, with my dinosaur par- toys. Six inches from the TV. Right, yes, the CRT. I could feel the heat coming off of it roasting yes. me. Um, but I know that like I'd see those and be like, that looks like these other movies that I have liked, and I will not watch them because they look awful. Um and then Anastasia Such a discerning critic at age six. Uh, you know, all kids at that age are discerning critics. They're just assholes who hate things without any reason. Um, and listening to the Bluth, the whole Bluth, nothing but the Bluth, which if you're a Bluth fan, you should check out. Um, it's a great show. I've enjoyed listening to it. Um, they actually kind of made me want to go look at the Pebble and the Penguin. They seemed to be very enthusiastic about it. Or at least like they're like... Standards were so low by that point after a troll in Central Park that they were like, oh, this was actually really good. Um, I do remember loving Anastasia, uh, though I would never have admitted it at the time as like a 10 or 11 year old. I thought it was too historically inaccurate. Oh, my God. You definitely did. <laughs> I was an a-hole. How old were you when you saw uh, that? 12? Nine, eight. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> no, she was gunned down by the Bolsheviks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, <laughs> I used to have like these long conversations with my grandma trying to make an argument. I mean, I was like 10, like making the argument that Rasputin was the cause of World War II. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was he. Yeah, I mean, he definitely I, I, I'd say you could get there. Thank you. Yeah. I was I, a, he, a very analytical historian at age 10. If, if not for Rasputin, the world would be a much different place. I would argue that Russia might still be a monarchy. Um, mm. it, would, it would probably be like a monarchy in the same way that the British are a monarchy now. Like, I'm sure they'd still have mm-hmm. like some kind of Congress or Duma or something. But I mean, like, I, I foresee that, like, I don't think that the, the peasantry would have, like, risen up if they didn't have the specter of Rasputin, you know, to, to kind of rally around. Because that he was like a symbol. Why are we talking about this? He was a symbol of the opulence of their <laughs> monarchy. Don Bluth. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, in An- I will say that I think that Anastasia, you know, might not have been hewing that close to historical accuracy when he comes back to life and works with a talking bat to try to destroy <laughs> Anastasia. So he could What's take the name of that bat again? It's like Bar- Igor. Bartok. Bartok, thank you. Yeah. I know that because... The next movie, apparently, that Don Bluth directed was Bartok the Magnificent, which was a straight-to-video sequel. Very interesting. I never saw that. Um, So, have you guys, speaking of just, like, shitty animated movies from this era, mm -hmm. do you guys remember the Columbus movie? The Columbus movie. It's, like, a movie about Christopher Columbus sailing to America. It's emotionally animated. Oh, is that the one? Is that like the Fantastic Voyage or? Oh, maybe. The Fabulous Voyage. That's the. the it's something. It's a voyage. Uh, let's take a look. Fantastic Voyage. No. Uh, oh, wait. No. I don't know. There is something called Fantastic Voyage, but I think that's the one where people sink <laughs> or shrink down and become like uh, a spaceship in someone's blood. Yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah. But no, there's remember, an, it's another thing. It's called like the Fantastic Journey or something. Like it's a very similar close name. Yes. And I think Christopher Columbus is voiced by Dom DeLuise. Yeah, thank you. So this to me is another non-Bluth. 
It's called Christopher Columbus. No, that's not it. Shit. That's the like, Magic Voyage. I found it. Thank you. It is The Magic Voyage. It is It is directed by Michael Schumann. So it is not a Don Bluth one. It looks like it might have been originally done in Germany. But yeah, and it's got it's got it's got Christopher Columbus and apparently a fairy and something that looks like it could be a mouse or a chipmunk or a <laughs> hamster. It's a chipmunk or or it's a monkey? It could be a monkey. <laughs> What the fuck is this? I don't know. I don't know, but I've definitely seen it. This is a apparently movie there's a sequel, and it's called Pico and Columbus. So I guess that little thing is a something named Pico. That's just, that is deeply. I don't know what the fuck is what what was happening in the early nineties. Corey Feldman is the voice of Pico. <laughs> what what are we talking about right now? This movie called The Magic Voyage about the Columbus expedition. This is like definite. Like Columbus, like I won't say propaganda because I think yes, the word is oh, 100% overused. that is propaganda, but it's definitely like Christopher. So, the, the log line, at least on IMDb, oh, you can apparently watch this, it's included with Prime. Um, Christopher Columbus decides to go on a journey to prove that the earth is not flat. His companion <laughs> is a smart woodworm. What the Christ is a woodworm? <laughs> oh my god, all right. His companion is a smart woodworm who's on a quest of his own. To save a beautiful fairy princess from the evil Lord Swarm and his insect army. You know, you know, it's, um, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. This is the world that Don Bluth has brought. I wouldn't blame Bluth for this. This seems, this Bluth. was made, th- I am seeing a lot of English versions, so this had to have been a a different country is doing. And I would not say that Bluth is responsible for what another country does. Unlike Rasputin, who is definitely responsible for World War II. But anyway, in watching The Secret of Nim this time, we, I should say, I didn't get a chance to watch this with my daughter. Um, I've I've been too busy. And I just, I watched it last night at like 10 o'clock. But luckily it's like an 80 minute long movie. With luckily with credits, um, luckily for me because I had uh, other things I needed to do, um, but it's it's I really liked it. I I was kind of I had forgotten like how short it is. Like there was a point when I was like, oh shit, we're already at the climax. Like I thought this was the beginning of Act Three, but we're actually at the end. Um, but like just in terms of like the animation is gorgeous. I think the vocal performances are incredible, and it really like watching this and then thinking about not to keep beating up on Disney. Um, but I'm not going to talk about Marvel this time. Uh, I'm going to talk about Frozen. Just thinking about the difference between like the voices in this and like the voice acting in Frozen. I'm just like, there's just such like a realism here. I don't even know if that's the right word I'm looking for. Like there is an earnestness and just like an incredible level of detail. I think like I can't listen to Mrs. Brisby's voice without just like immediately feeling for her. Like just the way that when she first starts calling out for Mr. Aegis and every yeah, time she, she talks, lacks the polish or like the Hollywood sheen of a lot of Disney voice casting. Yeah. Like, you know, she's not <clears throat> Adina Menzel or, or uh, Kristen. No, I was going to say Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Menzel and bell. <laughs> Men's bell. Um, but yeah, like she just, she's got this like rawness to her and it is, um, I don't even, I don't know the correct way to say this, but you can hear the pain in her voice. And I imagine 
like it, it, it I don't, uh, you know, we talked last uh, week or like four days ago about a movie where two guys are going to kill themselves. And it is like hearing her voice. You can almost like hear her future um, when she took her own life. Like there's just, you can feel that like rawness and pain in it. And it's, it's kind of like incredible. And Nicodemus has got a great voice and even Jenner. Who's like a psychopath. It's Derek J- Jacoby, right? Uh, Kobe. Uh, yes, might be Jacoby. I was. I think it's got to be Jacoby. Maybe Jacoby. I don't know. But yeah, Derek is uh, is Nicodemus. Yeah. Um. Oh wow, Shannon Doherty is the voice of Teresa. Who would have thought? Will Wheaton is Martin. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you've got the indomitable Dom DeLuise as Jeremy. What are our thoughts on Dom DeLuise? Do we have do we have feelings about him? Uh, I love him. I love him. I, I it was funny. I was listening to his voice and I was like, he's so familiar. And I had to look it up now, but um, you know, he's he's a notable voice as Tiger in uh, American Tale, and he's also um, Itchy in All Dogs Go to Heaven, the uh, backwards ball cap wearing dog. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like the wiener dog with the backwards ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> the um, he's the poochie. Yep, sure. but he's not cool. Yeah. There was a period um, where wearing a backwards hat, you could still be a loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or it just signed that you were trying too hard. Yeah, I was about uh, to say but you yeah. hard. Yep. Yeah. I have a lot uh, but, of childhood photos of me in a backwards cap. Oh, so you would have been nice. the itchy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I love his voice. I love, and apparently, like he is a very famous, uh, just you know, character actor all all over comedy. Um, uh, I was reading some things about. Uh, when he passed away, I think in 2009, uh, some very famous people were saying quite nice things about him. Uh, so I was like, wow, okay. This guy was very well known and very well respected. Um, just being kind of a, a comic genius, I guess, in a lot of ways. So, Could we um, maybe backtrack for a second and just talk about the plot of this movie? Like, Brian, since you watched it most recently, could you put it like a two sentence together? About the plot of this movie? Yeah, because I don't think we did an IMDb description. Yeah, no, no. Um, I gave I gave no thought to anyone not knowing what this movie is. Um, so <laughs> Mrs. Brisby is a field mouse and her son is sick and the farmer is about to plow the field and she cannot move her son and so she decides to uh, seek out help from a colony of rats um, that live in a rose bush to see if they can help. And it opens up a uh, world of, of mystical magic and craziness that she has to navigate. I don't know. It's about a mom's love for her children. <laughs> Again, this would have been perfect on Mother's Day. <laughs> On Mother's Day, we could have come in here and been like, this is the story of Mrs. Brisby, the greatest animated mother ever. I do know that that is basically the exact plot of the book, except for the mass, the magical mystical thing. Yeah, I I read the the plot of the book on Wikipedia last night, um, which makes me an expert. Um, But yeah, I read it and I was like, oh, this is like beat for beat, except there's no gem. Yes. (laughs) And the gem makes a big difference because you're like, what is the point of 
like a gem any of the, what's the point of this amulet this gem like why does everything have to be magic like i don't know that just seemed like just some bullshit that they had to add to make it more shiny or something but what i was thinking about was how small potatoes this not i mean the stakes are high but how small potatoes the the MacGuffin is or just like your son is sick can't, like why can't you just move like why can't the you put him on a stretcher the air will kill him she says it like three times he's got pneumonia <laughs> yeah but like i mean i don't know I'm, like I'm kind of. <laughs> well, okay? Yeah, just, like, they did not. Double blankets and fuck that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <Bubble. laughs> I, I, I do. I do think trying to stop a giant tractor um, instead of moving your child seems like like what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I very much was just like, what the fuck? Like. Okay, this this is this is our next step. So we're just gonna not move the child, and yeah, like like right. Robin's saying, like right. like right. light a fire, light light a fire, right? Uh, you know, I, I see candlesticks everywhere, so you know, light a little candlestick, and then you know, uh, wrap them up in a hundred blankets, and let's move the child. Like, let's go. Let's get any the fuck of those genius fucking rats got like <laughs> jabbed with some science, like. Can't they just doctor <laughs> him? <science. laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, it's almost like she just decided to kill the farmer. It's like, you know what? We're going to stop this. No, that's Jenner's the- idea. Jenner <laughs> is the evil rat down. who does not want to go to Thorn Valley. One of the things that I actually like about this movie, and this may have just been because of, like, time and money constraints, but I like how much of, like, there is a lore that we are only seeing the edges of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, you know... She's like, oh, I'm going to go see the rats. And then she goes and they're the like. the owl told her to. Right. The owl. Well, the, that, this is another actually good point. First of all, that owl is scary as shit. And I love the animation in this movie where like people's eyes will glow. And they mm-hmm. definitely like cut out their eyes and like shined lights through and took the picture. Um, it's freaking Yeah, awesome. the use of light is so great. The sparkles and the shimmers in this movie are great. Um, uh what was I going to say? So like, like she's, she, she says something like somehow it comes out like her name is Mrs. Brisby and the owl's like, you know, Jonathan Brisby. And you're like, what did this mouse do for this owl? Like what was this mouse was ostensibly her husband. Right. And he fathered four children with her. And he apparently also just like was a friend of the forest and helped the rats. And I guess maybe he did all that before settling down with her. But I just have to imagine that after all this is done, she's like, so my husband was apparently a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Eastern yeah. promises. It's like, <laughs> I live this regular life in a whale. I'm just like this hit man. Yeah. Who's apparently <laughs> like a member of MI6 or something. Um, uh, spoilers for Easter promises, I guess. Um, <laughs> spoilers for that 17 year old movie. Oh, man. Weren't they going to make a sequel to that at some point? A squeakle? I don't know. Yes. A squeakle. Um, <laughs> appropriate since we're talking about apparently Chippendale Rescue Rangers is good. I never would have seen that coming. Oh, uh, we're definitely watching it tomorrow. So, oh, woo-hoo. should that be what we talk about instead of men? Oh, uh, men, no. uh, men, 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 men. Um, oh, no, don't do that. That's from that <laughs> show, right? Yeah, that's two and a half men. Yeah, you th- know what's we funny don't is I think I've only ever seen the opening that. of that show. 
I don't think I've ever seen an actual episode. You haven't. That's, that's a good thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, like it's it's great. You know, the, the owl's like, all right, look, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Your husband's well known in these woods. And because of him, because of my respect for him, I'm going to tell you to go talk to the rats. And they're all like, oh, shit, this is John Brisby's woman this is great all right yeah we'll do whatever you want we'll we'll risk our lives to move your children and like yeah like it's it's been four years since the rats escaped and they have like set up an entire society complete with like electricity and technology and airlocks and they're like look we gotta leave we gotta go to foreign valley nim is gonna find us we gotta get out of here and jenner is just like fuck the humans we could kill them We'll like get we'll get it. We'll take it over. And all the other rats are rightly like, there's so many of them and they're so big. Like we can't <laughs> we can't do that. But Jenner's just like full on mercury poisoned insane and is just like, no, we can do it. And he is so excited to murder Nicodemus. I've never seen a character look more like I honestly like like aroused at the idea of murder in an animated film than Jenner when he's about to cut those white like those ropes. It's insane. But I love him. He's great. <laughs> he's a perfect. So villain. the whole point of this movie, yeah. just to reiterate, yep. is that some kid who's a weakling anyway wow. is gonna die. And so they have to walk like okay, you know what it reminds me of? It's like when people just like walk in front of a city bus instead of just waiting for the bus to pass, it's like you think this like 11 ton piece of metal is going to stop for you. And that's how I kind of feel about this movie. Like you think this tractor is just, you know, going to stop for you, <laughs> you little mouse. Like, I don't know. Uh, well, I will, I, I will I say. <laughs> All right, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I, I will say that the tractor sequence actually gives us this really weird moment that I don't think I see very often in, in any of these films. And it's not like superhero grandma, but it's, but it's definitely, definitely like a superhero aunt that you just don't expect because she fucking does work to that giant fucking tractor when mama mouse like gets hung up on something and she can't you know complete the task like the ant is there and just like does work and i was i was really impressed during that sequence i was just like oh shit this is not the lady that like we are first introduced to where you're just like oh my god lady like get the fuck out of here you're so <laughs> annoying and then like she really steps up when when called upon um, she's not great with taking out an entire tractor totally cool yeah, I was just like, whoa, shit. Like, she could not handle four kids, but she could definitely handle a tractor. So I was impressed. Um, and like I said, it, it gives us the sequence where you're just like, whoa, this is not quite what I was expecting. I was expecting somebody else to step up or step in. Uh, you know, you you can't help but think maybe Dom DeLuise's De character is going to be uh, stepping up. But of course, you know, he's he's just 
I like how you um, called him Dom de Louise as though he I couldn't was remember some, his sort name. Of, some sort of French royalty. It's Dom de Louise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. De don't, Luis, don't give de him airs. Louis, de Louise. Okay. <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, the crow. Um, yep. Is he a crow? Uh, I'm almost positive he's a crow. Okay. Yeah. Or a raven, maybe? What's, okay, can we talk about that fuckhead? What collects... I mean, wow, Robin, all, your anger towards this movie is incredible. You, you're, you're like, children fuckhead? deserve to die. Birds are fucking awful. Everything here sucks. Yeah, birds don't exist. So, this bird, <laughs> who, number this one... This quote-unquote like, bird, <laughs> talking about propaganda. This yeah, he's trying to make us believe that birds exist. This bird is, like, horny for birds. No one. He's like constantly up her like fahooch. Number two, I mean the whole like string scene was it was eighty minutes long, and I was like, <laughs> get me out of here. It did a lot of it laid a lot of groundwork. And that cat, I don't know what that cat was. Dragon. That was a demon. That is that definitely no like cat. a fourteen-year-old cat that should have died, <laughs> or possibly already did, and they buried it in the pet cemetery. The old Mid-Mark cemetery. <laughs> I'm also a big believer. Like, you know how a lot of people are like the cats are killing all the birds. Like, save the birds. I'm like, fuck birds. Cats get to murder whatever they want because they're the dominant species. So that you know, Robin, I feel like <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't even know what to say at this point. I um, I w- I would agree with you, technically that a, a dominant apex predator should be allowed to kill and eat whatever it wants. I would say that domesticated cats are not an extant creature in nature, and thus um our continued breeding and keeping and releasing of them is a problem. Um, yep. and birds are very good for the environment. Um, and I don't know. I literally, I don't know. The, I think the worst part is I found a bird in my, on my property the other day that had clearly been partially eaten. And I, and then at least I was like, okay, fine. I hate it when I find a bird or a rabbit that has clearly just been murdered for fun. Like if you're going to kill it, at least do me a favor and eat some of its organs. You know, don't just like leave it somewhere. Less for you then. Robin, would you eat a creature that your your pet brought to you? No, Keeping I don't in have mind pets. that we are we are not in a post apocalyptic situation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be extremely pleased, not from a hunger standpoint, but just from a like, I don't know, like pride of motherhood feeling. If my cat brought me some kind of varmint, I'd be like, oh, my little baby. You did so well. No, because it's not like it's it like cats when they bring you something are like, here you go, dick. You can't do it yourself. <laughs> like if my dog brought it to me in its mouth and was like all excited with her tail wagging. Like a little baby bunny. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, Bailey. Oh, all right. Well, good for you. <laughs> but you'd be mad if the cat did it. That's yeah, just like that anti-cat cat bias. Fucked. I mean, I fucking hate my cat. Like we've talked about this. Haven't we? Well, I feel yes. like I've made my feelings towards my cat pretty well known. In fact, I think so my why do you vet, keep it around? Because your daughter likes it. My daughter it. loves it. My daughter loves that cat. She's awake well, right now. Your daughter's now. a dud. To the cat. Um, well, my daughter loves the dog and the snake as well. So there's know. a snake. Yeah, snack the what? snake. Snack what? Snack slash sunshine <laughs> no, the snake. 
No, I didn't I mean, know. How do you little... not know this? I've posted pictures of this thing in the Slack channel, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash the film stage. Hey. I don't remember. Anyway, Snack is getting very big. Um, so that's cool. Um, so that's another reason why my daughter doesn't have to be like ushered into the facts of life and death and predators and prey is because she likes to watch the uh, snake eat, you know, dead rats or mice. Timmy, and you sourced those on what, like say. Amazon? No, I bought them from, uh, I think, rodentpro.com. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is what happened to all the rats of Nim. <laughs> so that was the, the hardest part was my daughter yesterday said, like, did you kill this mouse? And I was like, no, I did not. And she said, we got it dead. And I said, yes, it came to us dead. And she said, how did they kill it? And I was like, I'm not getting into this with you. Scissors. No, scissors. You think that there's someone who's just so, <laughs> independently murdering with scissors a bunch of pinky mice? No, no. I have. Them. Um, sure, I believe you. I, like I had a friend, CO two, a friend in college who was uh, doing some summer research, and they dispatched their mice with scissors. Do they like? I don't even want to. Maybe maybe this. it was just decapitating they, like, them. For I was the about to research. say, did they like cut their heads off or did they like stab them? Like, no, I'm pretty sure they removed the heads for research purposes with okay. the scissors. Right, so speaking of Nim, um, I had a friend in college. Um, her name is Emily, um, and I had 17 friends named Emily over the course of my life. So I'm I feel okay saying her name because no one's going to be able to find her. Um, and she worked at uh, the the National Institute of Health. Um, NIH and one of her jobs was to kill rhesus monkeys and aid in their uh necropsy for research. Oh, purposes. so that's how outbreak started? No, that's like they were trying to like stop outbreak. Or I don't even know. I I can't I was drunk almost every time I talked to this woman. Um and I know that because it's my favorite life. Yeah, pretty much. Um there are sections of my life where like I just don't have too many details because mm. I was drunk. Um what I will say is that I constantly, and a friend of mine, I was not alone in this, a friend of mine and I constantly made fun of her for the amount of monkeys that she'd killed. And <laughs> what a sentence. And so like we would, you know, we'd all be getting drunk and she'd be like, I don't like that I have to do it, but I understand like the, ne- the necessity for it. I was like, yes, because as you know, every life that you take when you're alive just becomes like a servant of yours in the afterlife. So you're going to go to heaven you know, and you're just going to be waited on hand and foot by the 90 monkeys that you killed. That is an amazing concept. <laughs> yes. Um, and she didn't find We're it thralls. funny. Um, she was never, she was never <laughs> too excited for me to be around. Um, but her friends is thought she I was your friend? Great. Yeah. Yeah, she was. I pet her corgi. It was great. Um, mm. Anyway, secret of Nim. Robin, why do you hate everything in this movie? <laughs> Didn't say hate it. I like the animation. Okay, um, but you're just like I like I you're the just like, painterliness you're so, of it. You're so hateful about Timmy and Jeremy. I mean, it's the ha- same hate that I feel for the Harry Potter movies. It's like the source material is so good. Why you gotta fuck it up with your bullshit? This is it's the hatred of a true fan. Oh yes, of course. It's the canon lovers' cynicism, right? Secret of Nim strayed too much from the source material. Anastasia wasn't historically accurate enough. Titan mm-hmm. AE wasn't historically accurate enough. <laughs> we are back and not historically accurate. Robin enough. took some psilocybin and had a vision of the future, and Titan AE did not line up with it. Right. Exactly. 
Oh my god, Bill! What about yourself? Did you have any problem with the uh, with the uh, the owl? Oh, not the owl. The owl's great. We can all agree the owl's great, right? No, owl's good. Okay. Did you have a problem with Jeremy, Bill? Jeremy. Jeremy is Jeremy the bird. is is the crow. Yeah. No, I got no problem with Dom De Luis. All right. Dom all De Luis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just how I'm going to refer to him. Just gonna, you um, call him like Dominique De Luis. <laughs> no, that's too much. Uh, no. uh, but no, I, I, I really liked his character. I thought, I thought it was hilarious the way that he just can't take a clue, right? Can't take a hint yeah, at all. Um, he really just doesn't get it. Um, and of course I, I like that the film ends with his like romantic connection and you're just like, Oh, that's, they are going to be a disaster together. Yeah. Like, Cause oh, he wow. loves Mrs. Brisby. This other chick is just like a distraction. No, no, miss. I, I saw the way that Mrs. Brisby was looking up at that other rat. And I was just like, oh, yeah, just because yeah, a mouse just... and a rat are definitely going to be OK together. What, Robin, what, what? happened? Who hurt you that you've become so <laughs> everyone? <laughs> oh, my a God. lot of people breathe on breathe on Robin this weekend. So. <laughs> And bread. Everyone who didn't mask up and socially distance at the Offspring concert. I mean, I was one of three people in that concert wearing a mask. I mean, yeah, obviously. That's fine. That's fine. Right. I'm just saying. Was it a was it at least a good mask or was it just a cloth mask? Um, not a good mask. (laughs) Okay. Definitely a fashion mask. Did you like write? offspring on it it did not have i have i do have bejeweled masks these just had um other accoutrement on them <laughs> it was fine i mean whatever like it is what it is i had a great time well, oh my god I was and in... the best part wait let me tell you so these there were these horrible drunk girls like standing in front of us mm. horrible as in didn't know what they were doing were swaying and they were very aggressive so like every time they would I don't know, like throw their drink into someone's face by accident or step on someone's toe or whatever. Like other people would be like, stop what you're doing. And they'd be like, fuck you. How old were these quote unquote girls? They could have somewhere in their twenties, maybe early twenties to mid twenties. So at some point, so we're, uh, they were playing gotta get away and security finally comes over and everybody just starts pointing at these three chicks like get them out of here <laughs> gotta get, get away from out. me <laughs> yes it was glorious it was so wonderful and they did get kicked out and it's just like thank god and everything was totally peaceful after they left it was wonderful i bet they're the ones who gave it to you probably <laughs> they were throwing their drinks up just like in the air and was splashing on me what did they think this was spring break and skrillex was playing and also <laughs> this is nine years ago i was like how do you even know this music it came out when you were like a zygote so whatever. <laughs> oh my whatever. god i don't know my my daughter loves the clash so mm, does she love the clash or did you show her the clash and she pretended to like it uh, no, I have a video of her jumping on my bed, screaming the lyrics to Janie Jones. Hmm. I think that's very cute. It is. It's adorable. I have many such <laughs> moments in my life. Um, the best, speaking of animated films, I took her to see uh, My Neighbor Totoro the other week. Oh, how was that? It was great. I made a tactical error. I didn't realize mm. that I was taking her to the Japanese language version. 
Oh, that's a good one, though. Well, so, I mean, it's great, you know, and obviously it's still a beautiful movie. Oh, wait, does she read? No, she doesn't. That's the problem. (laughs) But the lucky thing is that she has seen My Neighbor Totoro, I don't know, 30 times. So she knew all of the story beats and knew what they were saying, even if she couldn't tell what they were saying. Wow. Um, The magic of Miyazaki? Yeah. So, like, you know, like, it, it also helps that, like, one of the girls in that movie is like i don't know maybe like one or two years younger than her so like a lot of her lines are just like repeating things that have just been said um so yeah it's it's good but it was great it was wonderful there were a lot of other families there i think everyone thought that it was going to be in english and they were wrong i knew that they were doing some screenings in japanese i just didn't realize that i had chosen to go to one of them but it was also the only one we could have gone to so i didn't feel bad (laughs) i'm just glad that your uh, my tactical error was i accidentally took her to see grave of the fireflies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would have been funny as fuck mm-hmm. in japanese <laughs> in ja- it's all right she doesn't know what's happening um, <laughs> i do I, I mean so she has seen you know talking about being blues kids she's probably seen more uh disney just by the fact that like we have a disney plus subscription and um you know disney's are like D- disney is a safe choice right but like i yeah. have shown her um my neighbor totoro obviously and uh she loves land before time um, but I haven't shown her like an American tale or a secret of Nim or uh, all dogs go to all dogs go to heaven. Um, because there is just, a <laughs> how do you, go ahead. How do you, how do you feel about, uh, the brave little toaster? Oh no. <laughs> I don't even remember why I have a feeling that that movie is horrible. There's like a point where they're in like a junk store, right? And someone gets gutted in front of them. I love that movie. <laughs> Uh, yes. Also, there's there's like a a trash sequence where they're mm. in like a dumpster or not a dumpster. What what is it? A giant like like, a, dr- a, a dump. A dump. Yeah. Uh, not a dumpster. <laughs> uh, a dump. And yeah, that sequence is bananas because I think uh, you see one of them. I think it's the uh, the vacuum is like knows what to do and he's just like you gotta avoid the you know the magnet and you're just like oh fuck he's a toaster though <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's nothing but metal so isn't that yeah. scene wasn't that just repeated for toy story 3 i mean it's not repeated because it definitely ends in a different way but yes they do in a end in, in a dump and so yeah i feel like that's like a common trope in certain movies like especially if like your movie is like what if an inanimate object had a soul mm-hmm. it's like and you know you do have to come like to the you have to come to or the, something yeah the realization that like um everything ends up in the trash eventually yeah yeah you've, you've outlived your life so here you <laughs> go kid jesus um but yeah so like there's a part of me where i was like well i could show her these things but then i'm like am i gonna mess her up like I, I'm, like i i got messed up i won't say it's specifically because of these movies but like should i do it because like Land Before Time, she fucking cried during it. I think before Littlefoot's mom even got murdered in front of his <laughs> eyes. Like, you know, these are these are these are movies that really were quite, you know, just upfront about the shit that happens when you care about people. <laughs> Eventually, they get killed in front of you. Um, what? How does he get? Uh, how does the mother get killed? Uh, Sharp tooth eats her. Oh. Yeah, so I don't remember it. I've seen it maybe like once. Sharptooth comes. Um, it's during an earthshake, and 
she fights him off but is mortally wounded and then basically is like laying there dying and is like Littlefoot here's the deal I'm about to die you need to get to the Great Valley you know this is the way I'll always love you and I'm out <laughs> and then there's, like a, then there's a 10 minute portion of that movie where Littlefoot is so depressed that he cannot move I mean, you'd think I'm joking. I'm probably joking about how long it is, but he literally <laughs> like there's this cute little moment where like um, a bunch of uh, little pterodons are like fighting over cherries and then their mom shows up and gives them all a cherry and they like walk off and then they walk past Littlefoot who is just dejected laying on the ground like waiting for <laughs> God to take him and this adorable little pterodon that has no voc like vocalizations it like only makes little like squeaky noises comes over offers him the cherry like holds it out to him and it's little pterodon arms and he doesn't do anything and then it like puts it on the ground and waits for him to eat it and he doesn't eat it and then it like pushes the cherry towards him and then when it realizes that this baby dinosaur is too depressed to eat it like lets out this heartbreaking sigh and walks away <laughs> uh, and then it takes an older dinosaur to come over and like explain the great circle of life to him and then he he gets up and starts making his way to the great valley and then eventually yep. they fucking kill sharp tooth by pushing a rock on him and drowning him <laughs> to death <laughs> it's metal as shit anyway <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what you need robin maybe you need to watch uh land before time that'll be our next uh episode right after we talk about the legend of tarzan um Wait, it, we will do did, did, land before time did, did we find out that robin hasn't seen it or just well, doesn't she, remember i have seen land before time i haven't seen it since i was like seven right but if you're like gotcha. oh timmy's so weak uh he can't do anything he's gonna <laughs> die because it's cold this is a movie where a bunch of newly hatched dinosaurs gang up and fucking murder a t-rex <laughs> As I remember the as vengeance being... for one of their mothers getting killed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't dislike the movie. I just don't remember that well. But I, what I do remember is Ducky, because that had like the best voice uh -huh. acting in the movie. And a character named Sarah, who it turns out her name is not Sarah. No, it's S-A-R-A-H. -E yeah. <laughs> like Triceratops, yep. which I didn't realize as a child. Um, yeah, so I... I Speaking Don't of, have a lot of feelings about it. Speaking of the Don Bluth curse, um, never, ever, ever look up what happened to the voice nope. of Ducky. Don't ever. Oh, and didn't she also voice the kid in All in Dogs, All Dogs Go, to, Go Heaven? to Heaven? Yes. Thanks. Yep. I'll save you all the time. Hey, so she was. She I'm and her mother were murdered by her this? father, who then killed himself. It's a very sad story. Um, don't go look it up. There's there's more information about it, but you don't need to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, and that's, uh, like I said, the Don Bluth curse. Uh, the person who voiced Mrs. Brisby eventually took her own life. And the voice what? of... Yeah, they, I, I talked about that earlier. I was talking about... Her. Did you not... I thought you meant, like, like you're making a joke. No, she took her own life. Jesus. <laughs> I, um, I'm sorry to have to... Have to well, that's, when, that's why I reacted, like, ha ha, Brian. Like, no. what the fuck? Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, I think it was it was a couple years after this movie. Yeah, she took her. She, I, I keep saying she took her own life. She died in uh, nineteen eighty seven. Jesus. Yep. She threw herself out of a fifth story window. Oh. Similar to my family lore. Oh, really? 
Yeah. You, you you have a family member who was voiced in a Don Bluth classic and then killed themselves? No, just a matter of death. Oh, well. That's for another podcast day. If you'd only been on the, the Count of Three podcast, you could have talked all about it. Mm, I'll save it for my memoirs. Oh, my God. There are no memoirs. It's all just podcasts now. Podcasts <laughs> all the way down. Oh, my God. Um, In the future, (laughs) everyone will have their 15 minutes of not being on a podcast. So the secret of Nim. Um, I don't know. I just like I've kind of like I've I for whatever reason, I keep getting thrown back to Robin just being like a fuck Timmy. How come they just get (laughs) in the cold? I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm just like loving the fact that like in a post-apocalyptic situation, if someone was like, look, your three kids can live, but one of them's got to die. You'd be like, all right, peace. (laughs) I'm still coming out ahead. (laughs) It's called survival mode, baby. She had just lost her husband. So like, I'm sure that at this point she was like, I'm not losing another one. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, I get it. it. It's just, I think I'm used to at this point in my life, used to, huge steak MacGuffins and this movie is like in some ways delightfully right I mean that's that's the reason that I that I like it you know the fact that like this is this is a story about a woman who longs to keep her like except for literally small because she's a mouse Robin what was that you cut out oh I didn't mean to cut out sorry about that Um, no I was just saying like except for the it's a small story, except when you get to the entire mythology of the rats being intelligent experiments from the National Institute of Mental Health that escaped in an extremely dangerous situation that killed most of the mice. They that just fell the, down uh, that like air duct. <laughs> yeah, the air duct turns on and it's strong enough to blow a bunch of mice to their death. And the only two except that live are Jonathan Brisbane. <laughs> And luckily, oh. the, they they survived because Jonathan was able to squeeze out through the vent because he's a mouse and he's very small. I, there's a thing about that though, like that I kind of like. Like this movie really wrestles with like the size of you against the world, and like how sometimes that is a good thing to be to be smaller. You know, you can squeeze through the you can squeeze through the hole and uh, drug a cat. You can you can be through. the child coal miners that go where no other person can go. Yes, you you have hands that are small enough to polish the inside of an artillery shell. Exactly. And that was a Schindler's List reference for everyone out there. I've never seen it. Oh my god. Okay, I'm Jewish. Like, give me a break, man. Don't you want to connect with your heritage? I don't know. An American tale is plenty. That's probably true, actually. Um... Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't Schindler's List have ended a lot better if everyone had made a fake dragon to scare all the Nazis into the sea? <laughs> <laughs> no, they probably would have wanted to ride the dragons. <laughs> to be fair, this who seems would like something. Yeah. Seems something an Aryan would do is ride a dragon. Yeah, if you ever want to distract a Nazi, put up a sign that says "Dragon rides this way," and they'll march. They'll <laughs> step right. Only two hundred and fifty dollars, and it won't fuck up your car. <laughs> oh my god! In this economy, um, 
Okay, I think we're losing it. Um, we are losing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like, you know, again, like, you know, like even, <clears throat> I don't know, like there there is something nice about the scale of this movie. And I, I like the fact that, and it, it's almost like this is like the reason that you like, that you like a Bluth movie more than a Disney movie. Because these movies are almost universally about someone trying to save themselves or someone else and like that kind of being it. And like, you know, in, in Disney movies, it's like the kingdom, right? Like, you know, Scar has turned the pride lands into a wasteland and everyone's starving to death. Or like, you know, this guy's going to capture all the gorillas and take them back to England. Or like, you know, Ursula, the sea, witch is gonna, I don't know. Marry my boyfriend. (laughs) She's going to marry my boyfriend. But then like, also she, she's going to like murder him afterwards. But then she, why does she want to be the ruler of the sea? It doesn't seem like Trident gets to make a lot of policy decisions, you know? Is yeah, I don't like, really understand. Like and also, a, is he the king of the sea or just their like little like their quadrant? Mary, yeah, <laughs> the king of the Mariana Trench. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They never, they never got it. I think in all of the subsequent uh, aerial movies, they never really got into the politics of of mermaidum. Murder. You know, that's something that the Little Mermaid was missing was some more world building. Well, that's why I'm so glad that we're getting five more Avatar movies so we can really get into <laughs> the biomes and the politicking of those fucking awful looking half furry sons of bitches. Another movie I have never seen. You never saw Avatar? No, it came out when I was in college and it was just like too hard to get to the theater at the time. So my husband hasn't seen it either. So we're like, okay, we've actually been looking forward to the Avatar sequel because now it means that it's going to come back to theaters and we'll finally see it in like IMAX or something where it belongs because we've refused to watch it at home. I um, sure (laughs) don't. Yeah, don't watch that at home. Uh, Definitely watch that. Like, yeah, the 3D is still impressive. I think I saw that to watch it in all honesty. I have to. Uh, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but it's it's not something that I'm going to sit here and defend. Um, It definitely feels very rehashed and kind of, you know, tread over. But um yeah, as a movie theater experience, uh, I probably won't forget it. But as a movie scene outside of the theater, I don't even want to bother. So, yeah, understood. So I, I'm like, oh, finally, Avatar Stinkin' Two is coming out, so I can see the first one. <laughs> Anyhow, I have speaking no of animated in, movies, I have no interest in, in Avatar Two, but I've already like withdrawn myself to the fact that we like kind of have to cover it, right? I think so. Great. I can't wait to see him fuck a dolphin so he can ride it. Sounds good to me. You have no idea (laughs) what what I'm talking about, do you, Rob? I want to see this in 3D. Bill, you've you've (laughs) seen the first one. You know that, like, they, they, like, fuck their, like, horses and dragons in order to submit them, right? Like, this this is a known thing. Yeah, it's 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 kind of in there. It's kind of in there. We'll yeah. get to talk about it when we do Avatar two. For now, uh, Secret of Nim, which also has a sequel, which I have never seen. It's called I think it's called Timmy to the Rescue. Oh, stop yes. it! I yeah, swear I'm looking at it right I'm now. I'm just against anyone named Timmy, mouse or boy. It doesn't Jesus matter. Um. <laughs> so when Tiny Tim hoists atop his father's shoulders. And filled with the spirit of Christmas says, God bless us, everyone. Your response is, fuck you, Timmy. Boo, Timmy. 
I mean, yeah, I'm a little pro Scrooge in that movie. <laughs> I mean, in that book. But I mean, you know, Scrooge has a turnaround. So you're like pro first Scrooge. No, I, I'm just kidding. I, I actually really like that book, but I don't. I don't know if I have any feelings about anything in that book. I like his redemption, I suppose. Yeah, it's a pretty good redemption. He gets redeemed pretty well. Um, pretty, pretty good redemption. I will say that the the sword play in this movie is fantastic. I think a lot of these movies, like I, I love Sleeping Beauty. Do not get me wrong. I do think that the the action falls a little short. Um, you know, Philip gets this fucking rocking sword and jumps on a horse, and then basically the fairies turn all of the arrows into flowers. And all of the boiling oil into bubbles. And then he hacks his way through some thorns. And then he throws a sword at a dragon. And then that's it. Like, you know, I like me some Robin Hood style shit. Errol Flynn style Robin Hood, you know? So Jenner and Justin. There's too many J names in this movie. Yeah. So I'm actually happy that Timmy is named Timmy. Um, <laughs> Justin and Jenner getting their fight on uh, was pretty great. And then I like the fact that Jenner's... Jonathan, Jennifer, Jenner, Jeremy, and Justin. What? Yeah. Wait, is there a Justin? Yeah, Justin is Justin okay. is the 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 hot rat that flirts with Mrs. Brisby. Right. <laughs> the piece who, of ass rat. <laughs> who you think that's that's a relationship that's not going to work? I well, think gonna... I mean, literally, how do a mouse and a rat mate? They'll figure it out. I don't know. Mm. I, I've I've seen some dogs mate that shouldn't work as well. So yeah, but like you don't see like a dog and a and a wolf. That, yeah, you what? Do. what? Yeah, why? Can dogs and wolves actually mate at yeah, this point I actually, in the history of evolution? I, I I will say this: I found a dog online, and I really wanted to adopt it, and then I found out that I couldn't because in Maryland, you are not allowed to own a half wolf. This is like some Game of Thrones shit. Like you're what are telling you me talking that about? literal wolves and dogs can still perf- like can still give birth. Yes, they are still chromosomally similar enough that they can breed. And there are in that for that reason, certain states have laws against that. In fact, when I got my dog, I was watching her run and I was like, maybe I shouldn't do a DNA test because if I find out that she's a wolf, I'm gonna have to give her up. Uh, to who? Who's gonna find out? Uh, I don't know. Like, that's why I didn't do it through a vet, because if the vet had found out, they would have, like, had to call someone. Hold on a second. But you, I, why would I lie okay. about this, Robin? <laughs> um, why are why would you lie? So dogs evolved from wolves. Yes. I don't think mice evolved. No, from they rats. didn't. They're completely different. But she's already <laughs> got four kids. You know, All right, I'm I'm need- gonna put I'm gonna put safe search on, and <laughs> I'm gonna put go into incognito mode, <laughs> and, and then you're gonna masturbate to oblivion. <laughs> I'm gonna go to I don't know hentiforum.net or whatever. <laughs> and I'm gonna look up. Are these the questions that you asked during like U- Utopia Furtopia? No, Zootopia. Are these the questions you asked during Zootopia? Were you just like, a fox and a rabbit can't breed? This movie is ridiculous. They're not romantic partners in that Are movie. you kidding me? The sexual chemistry between <laughs> Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps. But it's not canon. Fucking electric. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's not canon. Just because oh there's God. like a million yeah, no. Reddit porn about that doesn't make it. 
like a real no, relationship. No, I'm going to tweet at every person who is involved in Zootopia until one of them tells me that the sexual chemistry was on purpose. All right, what did you find, Bill? No. Pornography. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the short answer is no. You, What's, you what was the question? Can a uh, mouse and a rat breed? Yeah, okay. can you can you do uh can you form or have hybrids of them? Which again, she's already got four kids. I don't know if Okay, so she has to live a celibate marriage because she just likes this guy Justin. Okay, I Robin, I don't know. Who how said to, celibate? Yeah. I don't know how to They, they can't this. breed. They it doesn't mean that they can't hump each other. They could fuck until the end of time. They just can't have babies. Okay. But would she's got four of them already. <laughs> That's why what I'm saying. You, why are we slut shaming her? First of all, for, no what? one's slut shaming her. I'm trying to hook her up with Justin, and you're like, "There's no point in holding a relationship if you can't breed," which is something <laughs> I'm sure to someone, Robin. Okay, let's backtrack for a second. If you can't breed, you're being very then, heteronormative. Okay, I understand that humans have relations with animals. But do other animals have relations with other animals? Like pro, I mean, like for fun, I've, like recreation. I've seen, I've seen a dog fuck just about anything and everything. So you know, don't dolphins rape people constantly? True. Also, okay, I don't, I don't isn't know this constantly. a movie where a magic like, stone like <laughs> helps her to levitate a fucking cinder block? Okay, fuck that fucking stone. What are we what are, what are we what are we asking for from this movie? I Robin's want here. some realism. I want some verisimilitude. This is insanity. What how did we even get this is like no offense, Bill, but this is a bill line of questioning. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> true i wasn't the one that googled it bill is the dirt bag you're also constantly like you have not you have actually implanted into this movie the concept that jeremy the the crow wants to bang mrs brisby but when it comes to a creature that is more similar to her aesthetically yeah but you're she's like, not That's into not jeremy so oh, it's so fine <laughs> So you think he a, a one-directional sexual <laughs> desire is okay, but a mutual attraction is is a affront to God? It's only fucked up because they can't bring their love to fruition. They could. She was never going to be into Jeremy. <laughs> she was never going to be into Jeremy. Like you know how those friendships are. Right, she, right. He but was so friends again, from I the just beginning. think it's she already has four children. So Which, what? What if she wants five or six? I if she if I if Mrs. She's Brisby, a good Catholic mouse. If Mrs. Like the woman you want to marry. I would love to marry a nice Catholic mouse. Um, though I think I was more attracted to Gadget from uh, Chippendale than I was to Mrs. Brisby growing up. Because you like a nice blonde. Actually, Anya Mouskowitz, I feel like was pretty. No, was it Anya? No, was it Tasha? What was what was what was Tanya's sister's name? Yeah, Tanya. That was it. She'd have a very pretty gold dress in the second movie. Oh, when she is like all made up and singing in that bar. Yeah. I had feelings about it. Um, <laughs> I think I did too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? But I just like, I just, 
you know, of all the people on this podcast who everyone might expect to say, if you can't have children, what's the point in the relationship? I feel like it would be me. I feel like if you gave people a survey and said, who would find a relationship that did not result in children to be ultimately unfulfilling? People would be like, oh, right. Brian Rowan, the conservative Catholic. And instead, here's Robin saying a rat and a mouse can't get it on because it's not a real relationship. Physiologically, just (laughs) speaking from like a pure anatomical standpoint, could a mouse, could a rat get it up for a mouse? I don't know. If a human can fuck a horse. Humans, I think are like that a rat the and a mouse are totally... like in terms of a- like predators, like apex intelligence. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I think that All right, I'm calling it Hamilton. Hamilton, no, Hamilton. You can leave. Robin and I have to keep talking about this for the next six hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to until be Mary Beth shows up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until we marry the mole. Yeah, oh my god. So what would you react? Yeah, okay. The next episode is actually going to be on Thumbelina. Because I need to hear Robin's reaction to people trying to make a thumb-sized human woman marry a toad and a mole and ultimately a fairy. Because I need to know what your moral I kind of feel like the fairy is fine. It's a humanoid. It's the toad and the mole that I have a lot of concerns about. And also the age differences and like the power dynamics here. Like a rich mole wanting to marry a six-day-old child. I, w- I will say, I don't know like that she's adult. specifically six days old, but I do know that she is <laughs> is fairly new to the world. Yeah, that, so there's issues there beyond just the physiological concerns. I'm just trying to think of like other interspecies romances that I've seen, and now I just want to ask you about all of them. I am um, here's a question. <laughs> Speaking of like older Disney animation and movies that like scarred us as children. Robin, did you ever have any feelings about um, uh, Sword in the Stone? Yeah, I thought it was mediocre. Okay, but like, what about the scene where like that girl squirrel falls in love with him and he breaks her heart and they last see her and she's in a tree crying herself to tears? Oh, yeah. That, as a child, like ruined me. And I think it is actually like lingered in my brain and in my heart in some way. Are you that little squirrel? I, I used to, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe I am that little squirrel or maybe like one of the reasons I have so much trouble leaving an abusive relationship is because I don't want to be, um, you know, Arthur making a, a squirrel cry. <laughs> oh, Arthur, like. Uh, yes, Arthur, the, the Arthur, King Arthur. I think, yeah. Yeah. So like every time mm-hmm. I, I think like, oh, I should leave this person who tried to murder me with a coffee cup. I I imagine her crying in a hole in a tree. <laughs> oh, and I'm the one with issues. I never said that you were the only one with issues. I feel like we talk about my issues on this podcast more than we talk about most of the movies we talk about. Though this episode, you definitely hijacked with your mice and rats. Fuck you know their place. you. Imagination <laughs> between the species is not allowed. I said one sentence and you're like affronted. So I, it's, it is wild to me that you would put that much attention onto that in this movie. I think Justin it's is just cool. like not realistic. <laughs> I think I happen to think that the, the rats of Nim creating an airlock system using a lamp is very unrealistic. Yeah, but at least there's some sort of like explanation for it, which is they got injected with smart and they're 
they're intelligent now and that's fine like i get that okay it has a narrative logic as much as i want to keep talking about this and i literally could talk about this for the rest of the evening until i eventually (laughs) fell asleep on my laptop i feel like we need to either move on or just get out of here are there any final thoughts that we have on this movie are you guys or i guess robin specifically are you aware that like the book was obviously based on the work of uh, Dr. Calhoun. Yeah. I mean, I knew that later. Uh, right. Yeah. As an, as an, Bill, adulter, are you, like, are as you a of this guy? I, I don't know who this is. Oh the he's famed like local, psychologist. He's like a local legend around where I live. Cause he like lived in Baltimore and all of his experience were like in the, I think Bethesda Rockville, Silver Spring area. Mm. I think actually like near Poolsville is where his like universe was. But so this guy, basically made like these these utopian colonies for like mice and rats and i'm pretty sure we've talked about this on this podcast before possibly for rat movie right? oh yeah mm-hmm. rat movie but like he's this guy and his most famous uh experiment was he made like a giant colony for these mice and they would have all the food they ever wanted they would want for nothing and he just wanted to see what they would do if they didn't need anything and their society collapsed in like less than two years Hmm. and like they stopped breeding they neglected their children they let them die they like stopped having sex they like groomed themselves impeccably and like gorged themselves and like he called a specific hierarchical section of these mice the beautiful ones it's like (laughs) it's like he wanted it to become a dystopia um Mm. But, like, yeah, it was this, like, concept of, like, yeah, if, like, life is devoid of struggle, eventually you become, like, a decadent society and die. Um, and there have been a lot of different people who've, who haven't, like, I would say, like, rebutted the experiment itself. Because, obviously, like, it was observed. That's what it was. But people are, like, you know, you don't have to take, like, the bleak version of this. Maybe what we're really talking about here is that, like, uh, too much social connection is bad for us. Which I think the internet has proven. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it, look it up. It, I think there was an IO9 article about it, and a lot of other people have written about it. It's uh, and I again, I'm pretty sure they talked about it in Rat Movie. It's it's super fascinating to just learn about this guy who basically was like, "What if I just gave these creatures everything they ever wanted?" And like, one of them was like, you know, the rats like they should have been able to produce like two thousand of them, and there was space for them if they wanted to. But I guess they were just so bored by like problem free existence that they like never topped two hundred and fifty rats. And um, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I definitely think people should check it out. So obviously this guy heard about this and was like, oh, well, what if you inject I think a woman wrote it. I wrote it. Jesus Christ. I think a woman wrote it. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of Nim? And the rice of Nim. Yeah. Yes. Um, Let me look. No, I'm wrong. It's Robert C. C. O'Brien. I was right. I was right about everything. Who was also um, a National Geographic journalist. Oh, awesome. Uh, he went to Williams College. Ugh. Ew, I don't know what that means. Wait, no, that's not true. Wow, you're just getting all the facts wrong about this dude. What the hell? Who's Conley? Who is Oh, that Conley? was him. Oh, he did go to Williams. <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, turning Don Bluth into the next artist that I'm like, hey, if we have a free episode, we should just talk about him. Um, I was able to get us, I think, almost entirely through all of Terrence Malick's films by this point. So now I can shift focus to Don Bluth. So next time I'll probably agitate for, I don't know, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I could fuck with it. Okay, cool. 
So next week, we'll be talking about All Dogs Go to Heaven. No. <laughs> it's going to be great. All men go to hell, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We were off for one week uh, because of scheduling. Um, and then we came back. And now, obviously, we're back again. And we're going to be back again. You you will, if, like, the timing is going to roll out so that you probably will have gotten three episodes of this podcast within, like, a seven to eight day period. Um, so, you know. Don't make welcome, promises your butt can't fulfill that is not how that idiom goes (laughs) um so yeah so good for good for you uh robin bar what are we talking about next week men in three days men men yes uh it's gonna be great um uh i almost said alex ross perry (laughs) i'm so tired alex garland um who did uh ex machina and uh annihilation and who also wrote 28 days later and uh, Sunshine. So a uh, writer and director who I very, very much uh, enjoy. Um, I have, I've heard from many people that I respect that Men is not great. But I'm looking forward to seeing it so I can judge for myself, even though I do not like the lead actress that much. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Exciting, exciting times. Um, uh, what else? Uh, follow us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show, podcastfilmstage.com for your longer thoughts. And uh, go to patreon.com slash filmstage to give us your money. And don't forget that you can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi, where you can check out Oslo August 31st, as well as Happy Hour. And, um, yeah. Oh, there's also an animated short, if you got an animation itch now. It's called You've Never Been Completely Honest. I'm just reading this now, so forgive me. Fusing 16-millimeter reenactments with phantasmagoric animation, Joey Izzo's gut-punching documentary short must be seen to be believed a terrifying account of the physical and psychological torture by the cult of 1970s business seminars. The film charts a dark, lesser-known side of the self-help culture. Honestly, I know that this is going to sound crazy, but that sounds like it's a perfect double bill with a Don Bluth movie. No we one believe agrees? you. Yeah, all right, there we go. Thank you, Robin. So that is that. Um, we're excited to be back in your ears in three days' time for men, and uh, we will hopefully have a full cohort of us and possibly a guest by then as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's it. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we babble incoherently into their ears about what species of animated animals can fuck one another. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can find me on Instagram at Billstagram. You can find me continuously mixing it up on the Slack channel. Yeah, but don't ever look at Bill's searches. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was on uh, Incognito. So Incognito, safe search on. Yes. NSA, understand that it was Incognito. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's wife understood that it was, <laughs> it was why for why <laughs> yeah. oh my god also if you like me agree that the uh, subtext of Zootopia is that canon those two are romantically involved please reach out to Robin Barr and tell her so. um, <laughs> and tell of, that woman how wrong she is exactly this is the plot of men is just me trying to convince Robin <laughs> That rabbit and that fox. I think I would enjoy that a little bit more than men. That is weird to say. All right. Robin Barr, where can people (laughs) find your work online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Letterboxd at the same 
uh, name or user handle. Uh, you can also find my writing at thehollywoodreporter.com. All right. As for me, uh, you can find all my stuff at brianjrowan.com. You can uh, find my distillery at schmidtspirits.com. We're having our art show this weekend. So if you were listening to this before May 21st, come to the distillery at 6 p.m. if you're in the D.C. area and you can uh, see some some cool shit. Um, And yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Find every episode of this podcast and all my film writing over at thefilmstage.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Letterboxd and any other social media that might happen between now and then at Brian J. Rowan. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. gonna go lay down in a dark room and listen to that entire album and weep as i think about the people i loved in high school and weep about that squirrel god that's that's you broke her heart look i guarantee if you google like you know squirrel in sword in the stone there's like a generation of people who are scarred by the way that she was treated in that movie bill is your safe search still on